Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And if you're just now joining us here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, yes, it is I, Damon Cotton, behind this microphone here, and Jared Justice behind the wheels of steel. As Q likes to say, still no Q today. Having a little trouble in Kansas City, but best believe we're going to be back and better than ever tomorrow live from Kansas City. But here in Las Vegas, here we are as we're going to get back to the show. And before we went to break, I was blanking on who Kyle Yeomans take took in the um, in our mock draft for the Dallas Cowboys. It was Michael Mayer, the tight end, Notre Dame, out of Notre Dame, because we made the we made the reference to say, hey, he's going to follow into the footsteps of Jason Witten. Right as we went to break, it hit me. So yeah, that's where. We are when it comes to the drafting here for today's show, and I'll throw out the show question for you again. A player drafted at seven from which position group will help the Raiders the most in this draft? And you can give us your comments and your feedback. You can call us at 702-365-9200. You can text us on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. And we got some new text in now. All right, let's go out to Rob in Oakland. I agree 100% with a lot of the callers and texters. I believe the pass rush helps coverage more than coverage helps pass rush. And for that reason, I think an impact defensive tackle or defensive end would help the team the most. I would want Carter, but don't think he'll be there and can't trust his off-field poise. Overall, I would take Witherspoon or Gonzalez to strengthen the pass defense. Then I'd look to the second through fourth rounds for O-line and tight end help because I think there is value there. Damon and Jared, thanks for hosting the show. I feel like I'm listening to a show on Soul Beat. That's Robin Oakland. I have no idea what Soul Beat is. I'm going to have to look that up. I do not understand the reference. I didn't get it either, but I... I appreciate it. Hey, Robin Oakland, if you want to text yeah, back yeah, and give us uh, what, what, what Soul what Beat is, maybe where we can listen to some Soul Beat and maybe see if we vibe with whatever Soul Beat is. I, I'm going to take it as a compliment, Soul Beat. I mean, we two Soul Brothers. I get it. I mean, Soul Beat. Listening right. to the Soul Beat edition of Unnecessary Roughness. All right, what else we got? No, no, I, I will say there is a certain point where, like, you are trying your best to be professional and I'm just doing, like, um guy in the background going, yeah! Yeah, like, you want to drag us down into the chaos. You want, yes, you want I some, do, I do, I do. And I'm not letting, and, you, and I'm not going to let you drag let me, us down. You will not let me, and I, I'm doing my best to respect your wishes because otherwise you might hit me. All right, let's go out to the seven one nine. The position group that I think impacts the team the most is either defensive line or cornerback. I want to see Carter if he falls to seven. or take Witherspoon around ten or eleven, trading back for more ammunition in the draft. Please. All defense Raiders. That is from Kentucky Raider. Hey, defense is something that we know that it's defense, defense, defense. And like I said to start the show, that I've been on the Anthony Richardson bandwagon since you know, basically, and since the draft process has started. I'm, hey man, this guy, he could be. He calls himself Cam Jackson. He could be the best of both worlds. But now as the draft approaches, I'm thinking. 
yeah, maybe the Raiders need to take a cornerback because that'll really help out this defense on that side of the ball, and particularly because that's where they need the most help. And we'll get into some of that Dave Ziegler sound, but it's what he said about this because you don't want to overthink it. And this is why I could not be in the front office because I am now overthinking what I feel like in the draft because – uh, hey, Anthony Richardson, if he's there. But now you know you need somebody at corner. That's, like I said, that's why I'm not in the front office. But let's hear what Dave Ziegler said about overthinking the draft process a little bit. I'm still working. Yep, and we'll work up until the day of the draft. And so I wouldn't say it's a, um, a, an over – it's not necessarily a paralysis, paralysis by analysis type of thing. It's not, hey, let's watch four more games on this specific player. It's more at this point we, we have the board in some pockets and there's some groups of players at different parts of the board. So it might be, hey, let's look at, let's take a look at, um, you know, these three players or these four players, um, dive back into it. Let's look at the, maybe these specific traits that we're looking for that we maybe had a difference of opinion on and those types of things. So it's more of a, I'd say a quality control check in a focused manner at this point rather than just kind of like, hey, let's watch all six games again type of thing. That's not really where we're at at this point. So we're getting closer, but we'll, we'll keep kind of putting in some work here all the way up until um, you know we're ready to go on Thursday. And then let's go back out to Robin Oakland's text because Robin Oakland mentioned Jalen Carter and how he would love him, going back to the show question, to be that guy, but he doesn't think that he's going to fall there to the Raiders at seven. And Dave Ziegler was asked about Jalen Carter. No, I don't, I don't think so. For me, it's not. Adam, in terms of more complicated, I think, you know, looking at Jalen, we looked at Jalen like every other player um, that's in the draft and, and, and doing our due diligence on all aspect of the player from football learning, from practice habits, um, from the personal side of things on the field, off the field, um, how people interact, how they interact with people, how they treat people, um, you know, their experience at the pro day combine, all of those different aspects. Um, I, I don't think we, um, we want to cheat the process with any prospect in that regard. We want to hit those bases for each individual prospect. And then, of course, on some prospects, it's deeper, right? There's just more things to look at and, and more things to consider based on, you know, their situation. And so um, he, Jalen, in, in that regard, was, um, you know, similar and, and, and to a lot of players in the draft and, you know, feel very comfortable with the work that we've done on him. So I feel like with the Raiders, with that answer there, that lets me know that they've done the due diligence on Jalen Carter. We know that they brought him in for one of those pre-draft visits where I think that if he were to be there, I don't know if they would take him at seven if he's there. Maybe he's not as high on their board as someone else could be that could still be there at the draft. But I do think that they, they, they've talked to him about those character concerns that people do have for him. I'm not saying that they're sold on him at taking him at seven. But I do think that they've talked to him. When you come in for those pre-draft meetings, I'm sure that that, that was an, an extensive part of the conversation with Jalen Carter. So one of the things that always uh, impressed me, and there's many things to be impressed by from him, but one of the things that Bill Belichick always did that impressed me is he had a zero-tolerance po- policy. Chandler Jones got, had one bad, one bad day. And he immediately got traded away. Aaron Hernandez gets, uh, like, he, he gets... That's not a zero talent. I think a better zero talents policy would be Jonas Gray, a guy who had four touchdowns, you know, and one, right. he had four touchdowns one week, and you think he's going to light the league on fire. And then he shows up late, and he's gone. And that's what I'm saying, is that, like, that's one of the things that I really appreciate, and I, I know everyone likes to... 
everyone who's a fan of the Raiders likes to be like, Patriots, Patriots. No, there, there's something to be said about discipline. There's something to be said about a strict moral code. And if in the meeting they go, look, we'd love to take you, but these are the standards which we would expect you to adhere to. And if he respects that, then I think it's absolutely a no-brainer. you got to take that guy. Yeah, I think that, like you said, it's a no-brainer. I don't think you've got to take that guy. But for me, it comes down to how are they evaluating these guys because I would love – that's the one thing where, Dave, Dave, just let me in and let me just see where you guys have your board. <laughs> and this is something that Q asked about, you know, that pre-draft process when it comes to evaluating players in the college rather than the pros. Yeah, you have to be careful, you know, and, and I think that's because you can – uh, project something that's not there when you you know you project too much and so I think you have to take all things into account too and that's why whether it's um, going from the the game film to maybe a senior bowl practices um, or another all-star games practices or you know taking the combine and looking at some of the the things that were, they were done there maybe their ability to make plays on the ball because you didn't get to see them catch the football a lot so you just take all those puzzle pieces that are made available to you to help in that projection but I think it's it's something you still have to be careful with. I love that you said you take all those puzzle pieces because this is like when people say the draft is a crapshoot. I understand what they're saying, but to me, I love how Dave Ziegler phrased it there because to me, it's one. It's more of it's one big puzzle. It's the hardest puzzle to solve when it comes to who can the Raiders draft here in this draft because a team that has the number seven pick, there is just so much pressure on this team. No, with so much pressure on this team that. Hey, you've got to get it right. Dave Ziegler, he spoke about that a little bit, but just so much pressure at number seven. Do they take a quarterback? Do you take someone on the defensive side of the football? And we spend so much time talking about just the number seven pick. Remember that as of right now, they have 12 picks in this draft that we really don't talk about too much because we've seen so much in the past that the Raiders, they haven't gotten right. They've missed on first-round picks. That so much on this draft is this is the first draft of the Ziggler-McDaniels regime where they have it. They have the full draft. Last year, hey, you don't have the first-round pick. You say your first and your second-round pick, it's Devontae Adams. That's great for any team. Dylan Parham, that's a hit as a third-round pick. But this draft, this is the one where they have to get it right. And Dave Ziegler spoke about getting it right in this draft. I want to get 12, I want to get 12, 12 contributing players, you know. And so, um, yeah, we put that pressure on, on ourselves. And I put that pressure on, on myself. And Josh puts the pressure on himself. And just as a, as a, as a scouting department, we feel that pressure in a good way. Because um, I think that pressure drives you. You know, it drives you when you're when you're meeting for 15 straight days. Um, you know, there, there's a, a monotony that can you know that you could let grow in. But um, I think that pressure, that motivation to get it right, that motivation to improve the team, though that's the pressure that that keeps us um, you know keeps us pushing and keeps us focused and dialed in. I'm glad that he said that that is the pressure because he knows that there is pressure on these guys to get it right. And I know he said, hey, 12 contributing players, but I do think that they're going to be wheeling and dealing in this draft. I don't know how aggressive they're going to be. Are they going to trade up the three? That depends on who's taking at number two. So we're not going to know about that until until Thursday. But I do think that maybe those talks have already been had or maybe they've already talked to Arizona. So if uh, – if Houston takes some, if Houston takes Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, basically if Houston passes on a quarterback at two, then maybe they can say to Arizona, all right, 
We're going to be calling you immediately and see and see which, what it would take to move up to three, maybe to get their guy at quarterback, or maybe because maybe the Colts are off. They'll they'll have that conversation with the Cardinals as well because they don't want to miss out on their guys. They're looking like it's going to be Will Levis as the days continue to tick down. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, Jared, but yesterday Will Levis it went off of a of a Reddit post. I saw Ari Mayrod put it out there. This is going to be a quick tangent. But there's just something about Will Levis where someone put, hey, the Colts are really liking him or maybe the Panthers are liking him. His odds went from like plus a, plus 5,000, you know, to he had the second best odds to be the number one pick in the draft basically off of a Reddit post. And it's like, I don't think the Panthers have any interest in Will Levis. But the markets changed. They took it down for a little bit because, like I said, some Reddit posts are saying, hey, maybe Will Levis is going to be the number one pick. Absolutely. And Jordan Schultz, who is a friend of this program, Unnecessary Roughness, he literally did a he, he did a whole piece on the fact that it's like, why does nobody like Will Levis anymore? Because everybody loved Will Levis, and then everybody hated Will Levis. And now it's like... Oh, it's coming back around. It almost it it feels like the okie doke. It feels like the <laughs> no. That's like it's literally like if it, it feels like the the Colts are trying. We're like, yeah, we we want Will Levis. Let's uh, let's make everybody hate Will Levis. So that way we ensure that we get Will Levis. Oh, so when it comes to the smokescreen of teams saying, hey, like we're putting things out there, what we see with C.J. Stroud, people yeah. are talking about him skipping out the Manning Academy. Are you telling me that the Colts? Are saying, hey, we don't want. Do you not think Will Levis looks like a Colt? I don't know. I <laughs> maybe Jim Irsay at the final minute can say we can't pass up on Did Anthony we get Richardson. Him out of the bathroom. We can't. We we can't. We can't do that with Jim Irsay. But that's going to be interesting to see. And like I said, if you want to be in part of the show, you can. You can call us at 702-365-9200. or you can text us on the don'tbebroke.com text line. At 69187, keyword R&R. Jerry, what we got? All right. We got Jim from Yonkers. D, you are on the clock. Gonzalez or Witherspoon at number seven. Then trade our second and a fifth to get back into the first. Then a third and a fifth to get back into the second. Ten picks. Thank you for a great show. What do you do? He's, he's, calling, he's calling you straight out. Number seven, Gonzalez and Witherspoon are both sitting there. Demond. Which one do you take? Jim from Yonkers wants to know. Jim from Yonkers, thank you. This will not take that much time for me. No deliberation needed. I'll have the card in my hand. There is still time left on the clock for Roger Goodell as he comes back up to the uh, to the lectrum to make this decision. You're going to be the Vikings laughing on Zoom like, wait, they took who? Yeah, we'll take Justin Jefferson. Yeah, well, I'm, it's not going. I don't think there. It's not going to be any laughter, but I do think that. It's going to be Christian Gonzalez. I that's if no one takes him because hey maybe he's taken right ahead of the Raiders at six you, you instead s- of seven. You saw that he's like not even the best athlete in his family, right? No, I've I've not seen that. What's the profile on the family? They're all like Olympic runners, and the dad played NBA. Well, he played professional basketball, and like all of his sisters ran track. <laughs> like he's like he's considered kind of the yeah you're right. Uh, the nine-year-old in the family is is like, she won fastest girl under ten in the world. Like he's he's genuinely like he's like, <laughs> I'm also here. That's got to be, and a- that's how like that's how bad ass this dude is. I am I, if they get Gonzalez, I am genuinely like that's that's a stud. Real quick, Jared, I want to go back to that real quick about this family. Good genes for Christian Gonzalez. And that's who I would take at number seven. Right now, if it was cornerback, if 
if Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud are gone, yes, it would be Christian Gonzalez for me. But fastest ten like ten year old in the world in America. I didn't know they even measured that. That would be. I wouldn't want the title. I wouldn't want it because at you, you don't want to peak too soon. I think that would be it'd be all downhill from there if I were the fastest ten year old in America. Because then, you know, eventually we all see the clips of a kid that dominates the Little League football. You remember, like, kids, they would go viral, and it's like, oh, man, that kid's really going to be something. And then where does that kid end up now? The kids that are running roughshod in the Little League football games because they're so much bigger or so much faster than everybody. And you really never heard of those kids. Where I haven't seen too many guys where they say, remember that guy from that clip when he was, like, eight? This is him now, and he's the number one recruit, and he's going to USC or Alabama. I don't think that place, that's too much pressure. I wouldn't want to be the fastest kid in America at 10 years old. His dad is six foot nine, and his little sister is the fastest kid in America. I, I, I just think, <laughs> like, no, I'm sorry. You can't go wrong with that. You can't go wrong with that. But what I will say is, you, you've seen the TikTok videos of like the like seven year old stunting. On like the basketball court, like they like. Oh yes, they, yeah, yes, like yes. That video, yeah. that video irked me. That brought that video brought the old man out in me of these kids, like third graders, you know, just doing excessively taunting. And he's already got an offer from Texas, and it's just like, I hope he grows four feet. I like think about that. You you're like, you're three foot tall, and yeah, you got handles. What if you only grow two more? It's basketball. This dude's dad's six foot nine. Hey, Christian Gonzalez, I thank you for bringing out the family tree. He's definitely got the athletic makeup to be the, like, obviously he's Do got. I just trying to pull the show back together. I keep trying to veer him off course, and he's so mad at me. No, I'm not mad. At, I'm not mad at all, Jerry. Like, I mean, we got a show to do here, brother. We got a show to do, and again, if you joining us late, I know it wasn't on the show tweet that we put out, but because this was a late addition to the show, but at 4.30, Mo DeKill is going to be joining us to talk a little NBA, and when we come back, we're going to get into some more Dave Ziegler sound. Don't go anywhere. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. And welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Throw out the show question for you one more time. A player drafted at 7 from which position group will help the Raiders the most? And you can call us at 702-365-9200. And you can text us on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Before we get to Mo and talk a little NBA, I did want to go over some more of this Dave Ziegler sound, something that I thought we played earlier, but no, Dave Ziegler talking about overthinking it in the draft because, like I said, I wouldn't want that pressure to being the man on the clock. In terms of what other teams may do, yeah, yeah I think you can. You can overthink some things, and, and because there is a level of, of guesstimation in regards to what people are in their building are thinking, you know, and how, how they view their own roster too. You know, you may feel like a team's strong at a, certain, at a certain spot on their roster or like the totality of one position, the running back position or whatever it may be, and they don't feel that comfortable. And so you, you can overthink and, and, and kind of guess yourself into – 
maybe a, a decision that, um, you know, isn't the right decision at that time. And so all, that's why you have to take all of that with a grain of salt. And we try to do our own work in-house. You know, we spend a lot of time on team needs. Um, our pro department does an excellent job, you know, led by Dwayne Joseph in terms of really studying the teams. That's something they do all year round is study not only what their needs are, but what their draft philosophies are, um, you know, what they've done leading up to the draft and things like that, too try to have his best educated guess on, on what those different teams may do. But um, you can't outthink yourself. There's no doubt about it. And you have to be smart in that way. You can outthink yourself in the draft. And we've seen the Raiders do that time and time again when it comes to, hey, maybe Cleveland Farrell, maybe you overthought the room. Alex Leatherwood, another first-round pick that they missed on. So for me, Dave Ziegler, admitting that you can overthink yourself and you don't want to think about what the other teams are going to do too much. I do think that in this first round, they are going to let the draft fall to them when it comes to what happens in the first round. And then in, in you know day two, day three, we'll see the team be more aggressive. This is just what I'm thinking. You know, I haven't heard this from anybody. I don't know anything. But this is just how I'm thinking that the team is going gonna, is gonna to react. Let the draft fall to them in the first round, and then from day two on, be aggressive and maybe try to make some moves. And then that's something else that that they've got to do. They've got to make those moves. Jared, I thought you had something no, to say. No, there is. I, the, the thing I There's something about the... Wait, they don't know that I know that they think I <laughs> am going to do this, so I am going to do this, even though they think that I might do like they're they're that element is part of all of us. And when you're scouting, when when you're scouting players, it's genuinely you look at the film and then you you ask what can they do. It really shouldn't be this complicated. And then you get into a room and you're going. Well, what if they do this? If they do this, then 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 I gotta, I I, I gotta do this. But but if that guy's gone, then then, then who do I? What 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 do I? It it's so easy, and I think that you're absolutely right. There's there's that innate pressure that we put on all of ourselves, and it's very easy to get into that mindset. And it's really nice to hear like Dave Ziegler just sit there and go, "Yeah, we're just gonna try to avoid that. We're going to try to avoid." playing ourselves we're just going to sit there and let whatever whenever i play whenever i play video poker what do i say i don't know (laughs) what do you say (laughs) you've sat next to me like 20 times anyway no the money i put in is their money whatever money i get back that's my money whatever whatever player gets picked that's that's their players whatever player is available that's our player like that's I like this like like level headedness instead of we're gonna take our guy no matter what, which has been a pattern as you alluded to. Something else that's been funny for me throughout the draft process, and I'm glad that Dave Ziegler asked about it, is that do are, are other players on the team are they giving their two cents? You know, current Raiders. It's like, hey man, you know I went to Bama. You know that guy that, that boy out of Bama. I don't know if we should pass him <laughs> up. But we can we can get him. I, I, I'm just saying. <laughs> You know, I know him. I can vouch for him. You know, you draft him, you draft him. He's a, he's a reflection of me if you draft him. And he was asked about, do current players give their input on who the team should select? That's definitely a resource we utilize. Um, guys that are on our team, currently on our roster, that have played with different guys in the draft, those are um, conversations we, we're, go- we're going to have during the process that, that we have had also. And so, yeah, it's a valuable, it's a valuable resource because they've been um, with those players in and, and, and a more um, – a more detailed way than we have. They've seen them practice. They've seen some guys grow, 
you know, throughout their time that they spent with them in college. And so definitely a lot of value in that. Um, in terms of the players' opinions, uh, they're all pretty the, – there's some that are a little bit more um, – play scout a little bit more than others. Um, and they're, they're generally pr- – pretty sly about it. They're, they're not overly overt. It's more like, hey, what did you think about so-and-so at, you know, whatever school, South Carolina? Hey, did you watch him? Did you visit him? Yeah, he, I played with him, you know? And so they're, they're, there's, there's more of that interjection from certain scouts uh, that are on our 50, you know, well, now our 90-man roster than others. But um, at the same time, you know, um, keep an open mind, keep an open ear, um, you know, and, and um, um, take it with a grain of salt. That would have been the perfect time for the follow-up to be name names. Who are the players around the facility that's saying, hey, man. South Carolina? I don't know who on the roster that game. Yeah, that's, like, that's what I'm asking. For example, I don't know who on the school. I think he just tried to throw out a name out there that maybe, you know, like maybe he get, couldn't think. Because obviously you think Bama, you're going to be thinking Josh Jacobs. Maybe even Illinois. I mean, Witherspoon. Maybe Nate Hobbs could vouch for him a little bit. So I don't Clemson, know. Clemson. You got Renfro. Like I, I get yeah, it. Yeah, who would be the guys? That, but also, who's who's still young enough to maybe they did play with him a little bit? Was like, hey man, I know that guy. You know, I practiced with him. That's that's my brother right there. So that's why we need to bring him in. I just am genuinely like, you know, South Carolina. What? What? Who, who's a, who on the team? Like, am I? Maybe I'm missing it, and I Mr. don't know Random this school, roster. That's all. He was just throwing out, you know. Maybe he should have said southeastern, southeastern Central Tech. Oh, you know, a, one a of the double, movie schools. A double directional school. Yeah, you know, when you watch a movie and it's always, you know, State U. You know, never an actual school. You know, when when you're watching a movie about a college team of some sorts. But when we come back, we are going to be talking to Mo Dekeel to talk the NBA playoffs. Don't go anywhere. This is unnecessary roughness on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. And we are back here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. The show question for today is a player drafted at 7 from which position group will help the Raiders the most? And you can call us with your opinions at 702-365-9200 or text us on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. But hold that off for just a second because now we're going to detour into the NBA. And we're going to do that with Mo DeKill. You can follow his words on Bleacher Report or his YouTube series, One Mo Thing. He also gets his thing going on Twitch. Mo, thank you so much for joining us here on Unnecessary Roughness. Oh, thank you for having me, Devon. It's always fun to jump on. All right, so let's jump into it, man. The series that matters the most to me as a Grizzlies fan, as a native <laughs> Tennessean. What's going on with the Lakers? I mean, they win in the play the play in game, and now they're looking like the best team in the entire playoffs. Did that? Did the moves they make at the trade deadline did that really elevate them to a different level? Are the Grizzlies maybe a little banged up? They're not the same team that they were without Stephen Adams. Are the Grizzlies just underperforming? Or are the Lakers that good? This is a, the worst answer anyone can give, but it's a little bit of both. Um, first, we'll start with the Lakers side of it. Those moves they made at the deadline made them a competent basketball team. I think we go too far with talking about how good they are with, with the moves they've made, but it made a team that fits and works around LeBron and AD, which is something that was not the case before that trade deadline. I think that was the, the big thing, and all the pieces fell into place, and the guys have played really well since then, even surviving an injury to LeBron, and I think that's gone a long way for them. For the Grizzly side of it, 
it's they're underperforming to a degree, but it's also the injuries. Like we can't stress enough how important it is that Steven Adams and Brandon Clark being out has decimated their front court. You know, as good as Xavier Tillman has been in this series, and I mean he had a monster game too, basically won them game two, uh that's not gonna get it done against the Lakers, you know, and I think their front court depth has really hurt them a ton and look, AD's able to eat at times. LeBron's able to attack at times. I think that has kind of really opened the door for the, the game and, and the series and that's why they're up three one. But I think the injuries really did crush the uh Memphis Grizzlies. The Dylan Brooks of it all how big of a factor is Dylan Brooks? Because he says that we all know that college clip from him when he was back at Oregon. He wants to be more of a Draymond Green. And he's playing like Draymond Green when the factor that he can't shoot the basketball has Dylan Brooks, I'm not going to say falling off of a cliff, but the lack, the how much shooting that he does, it doesn't match the actual production that he provides on the court. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't use the term falling off of a cliff because that means you got up there in the first place and he's never <laughs> been up there. He's just not a shooter. <laughs> like, it's as simple as that. The Lakers are giving him an open invitation to shoot. They're literally not guarding him, which is the correct response. And, you know, if he wants to be like Draymond, take a note from Draymond. He doesn't shoot a bunch. <laughs> he uses yes. it to his advantage to create opportunities for Steph and for Clay and for everybody else on the Warriors. And I think that's part of the issue there. You know, the listen, the game plan is very clear. The Lakers are inviting him to take any shot he wants. They're literally just saying, go ahead, as long as it's not John Moran, as, not as, as long as it's not Jaron Jackson Jr., as long as it's not Luke Kennard, we're going to be fine. And I think those are the things. And Desmond Bain, excuse me, I should have said Desmond Bain mm-hmm. before Luke Kennard. Um, but I think the they're willing to live with that, and I think that's the struggle. And then all the antics he's doing and things like that. He's, he's riling up the other side, and that's not a side you really want to get going. I mean, he wants to poke the bear. Well, he poked the bear, and then they lost two games in L.A. So, I mean, it's, it's not the smartest thing to do there uh, for that instance. I think they got to figure out how to make this work, and he's got to understand his role on the offensive side is not to score, and it's definitely not to shoot. Again, we're talking to Mo DeKill here on Un- Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio. You can follow him at Mo DeKill underscore NBA. My man Jared's got a couple questions for you. So uh, following up on the Draymond of it all, are you, are you at all surprised that he is basically has said multiple times, nope, that's just how I play. Just um, this is who I am, and it, I'm fine with it. Uh, apologies, are we talking Draymond or are we talking uh, uh, Dylan Brooks? <laughs> We're talking Draymond. Draymond, gotcha. Yeah, I think he's fine with it, and part of the reason is it's worked. He's won Defensive Player of the Year. He probably should have won it a couple more times than he has. I think, you know, they've won championships with him at the helm. I think, you know, he's he's fine with that, and the organization is fine with it because it produces results and creates things. Yes, they would have loved her for him not to have stomped on the chest of Demontis Sabonis in Game 2, you know, and, and stay in, and they would love it if it was easier and if he was more of a quieter guy. And things like that, but we don't get to pick the packaging. Is, you, know, you don't get to pick with, deal with that. You got to just live with it. Uh, so my, I, I guess my next question is: Is this the most like testicular incidents we've had in the NBA, or is it we just haven't been noticing? It's it's interesting. This is probably the most we've had across the league in the playoffs. I mean, we had incidents all over the place. In the NBA. But then we did have that run where Draymond basically just (laughs) 
it felt like every game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, he started out by by uh, giving Stephen Adams a nice little kick to the uh, to the <laughs> to the family jewels, I guess. And I think that's kind of the uh, the thing. So you know, it's probably the most we've had in different series. But it, but this probably isn't the most we've had, just thanks to Draymond from a few years ago. Something that I wanted to talk to you about, switching series, another game that we saw last night, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. Hemi Butler, I mean, Jimmy Butler put on one of the best playoff performances <laughs> that we've seen. How much can the Heat close out this series, and how much further can they go in the playoffs? Seven undrafted players, it's Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and who else? Yeah, and to be honest, I don't even think it's Bam Adebayo. He wasn't very good in that game. <laughs> like, to be honest, it was all Jimmy. It was one of the most amazing performances. It's, you know, I've started working out a bunch lately, and I'm wearing these, like, backpacks with weights on my back and stuff. Jimmy just put the entire team on his back. Like, that was a phenomenal performance with everything that he did there. And I, it's, I think they can win this series. I didn't even believe that, you know, going into yesterday with Giannis coming back and things like that. But the way the Bucks lost that game, Mm. Where they were up 12 at one point with five or six minutes left, and Jimmy Butler just brought them all the way back to win that game. And that's demoralizing for the Bucks. It's going to create a lot more questions for them. And I think they might, be, they might win game five, but the Heat having a chance to, they just got to win one out of the next three. And with one of those games coming back to Miami, I like their chances to win this series. And I think Spoh's an unbelievable head coach, probably the best head coach in the NBA right now. And I think those are the things they can make work. And let's not forget, this is a team, pretty much that whole roster, minus P.J. Tucker, was a shot away from the finals last year. Like, it's in their DNA a little bit. They understand what they're doing. So I think this isn't out of the realm of possibility that this team can actually win this series. Can they get much further than that? Let's see. How, I, I, I have questions. Something I wanted to ask you about, because you mentioned Eric Spolstra being one of the best coaches in the league. What about Mike Budenholzer? Because I feel like you, you pan to him on the, si- on, on, the, on the sideline there. He always looks like he's confused. And I do think that he was the reason that the Bucks lost the game with some of his bad coaching decisions. Where is he as a coach? Because I know he's got a championship, but I still don't know <laughs> if he's a good coach in the NBA. Well, one, Bud suffers from bitter beer face, which is just a perpetual <laughs> thing there. And I think that's just the unfair thing of every time they pan to him in the sideline. It, it's either that or he looks like he's smelling a fart. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think the, the real issue, though, is when it comes to Bud is he doesn't make a lot of adjustments in games. And I think that's the frustrating thing. You can look yep. at a lot of the things he did in that game yesterday. At some point, you got to double Jimmy Butler and get the ball out of his hands. Just change up the coverage somehow. And they didn't do that. On the offensive end, you know, they were getting some good mileage out of a Giannis Brooke Lopez pick and roll. And they barely went to it in the fourth quarter. And I felt like that was something they could have worked in more and more. Some of the areas that's unfair to blame him is Drew Holiday and Chris Milton took some incredibly bad shots. The, the shot selection on their part, that's not coaching. That's on them. And that's veteran players that you would expect better from. So he, he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. And I think the, uh, his, his, his mistakes are showing right now and his flaws and his, in, in his unwillingness to adjust in-game is, I think, one of his biggest weaknesses. And it showed last night. Sticking with the Heat, uh, is Duncan Robinson the ultimate uh, driveway player? I, I mean, he he might be. He might be. I mean, listen, the the fact Duncan Robinson has decided now to start making shots again after, I don't know, a two- or three-year break, uh, talk about unbelievable timing. 
Uh, but it's, it's, it's really gotten going for them, and he's coming in, and he's hit some big shots for the Heat. I mean, he's shooting around like 70% from three last I checked. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a massive lift for them, especially the fact that Tyler Hero's out. Tyler Hero broke his hand. We know he's out for at least, you know, three to five more weeks at minimum, I think. And I think this is one of those things where they just needed more scoring. And, and Duncan Robinson being able to hit two or three threes a game goes a long way. And then just his presence on the court forces teams to cover him, and it spreads the floor. And I think that, uh, that creates a big opportunity for them. So um, he is the ultimate though, driveway player. Again, we're talking to Mo DeKill here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Only got a few more questions for you. I know we can't hit every series in the league, but I've got to ask you about the New York Knicks. They're one of those teams that when they're good, the league is just better. The Knicks, I mean, it's looking like they're going to win their series. And then the Eastern, like the semi-round, they and the Heat or the Bucks. Can we be looking at the Knicks making it to the ECFs? Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it's a real possibility, especially if, the Bucks get eliminated. I think the the Knicks are rolling right now, and this is this is potentially their first playoff series win since 2013. Like that's a huge lift for the 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 organization, but also the league. Because as you said, like it's just so much fun watching them shut down the street uh, when when they win a game and completely go ballistic for winning a a, a playoff game. Like have fun <laughs> with it, enjoying it. The videos are hilarious. You know, and I'm going to make fun of them if they lose. But, like, that's just the way I do them. <laughs> uh, but I think the ultimate thing is but they're having fun with it, and I love it. And I think this is a big thing for them. But there's no reason to think that they can't get past Miami to get to the conference finals. And I think one thing we got to look at, because it's been weird, the past few years we've had some random teams show up in a conference final. Last year, Dallas. Uh, the uh, we've had, We had uh, Atlanta a few years ago. Like, every now and then we just have some random team that just – by stroke of luck, right opportunity and situations, puts them in the conference finals. There's no reason to think the Knicks can't get there. But also, a Miami-New York playoff series is going to be so fun. It might be the ugliest basketball we've ever seen. Oh, yeah, it'll be. But it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be chaotic. I got kind of excited <laughs> for it. People always talk about bring and, 90s basketball back. They will get they it will. if we get that series. And then we'll find out how full of it they are. They <laughs> bring, the, bring the current basketball back, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with Jimmy Butler shooting 25 free throws and it's 90 to 80, you know, no one's no one wants to see that. You know, shout out to him for those 56 points, but the Miami Heat play a style of basketball that it's not that enjoyable to watch. I know I said I only got a couple more for you. Let's move over to the Western Conference. Light the beam. The Kings, they uh-huh. lost, you know, I mean, Golden State did what they needed to do. The series is tied up 2-2. Do the Sacramento Kings, uh, how do you feel they are in this series? Because Golden State, it's looking like that championship pedigree is showing here. Yeah, I think, you know, it's either the championship pedigree or, hey, the Warriors are really good at home and they're god-awful on the road. It's one or the other. I don't know which one at this point. And I think the ultimate thing that we have to kind of figure out is the uh, – which Warriors team is going to show up. And I think the challenge for them is uh, can they continue to roll and just find some sort of defense, just slow the, sun, the, the, excuse me, the Kings down long enough that they can get themselves rolling here. Because the Kings have been awesome. I don't think this thing's going seven, in my opinion. I think the Kings have been great. I think the biggest question right now with Sacramento is what is De'Aaron Fox going to do with that little broken finger on his uh, shooting hand? That might have a massive effect for him because – Right now, the Warriors haven't had an answer to stop him, and he's been phenomenal. And they almost pulled off a game four win based off you know his play down the stretch. So this is going to be one of the fun ones to watch coming up. 
And then the the Suns, I mean, the Clippers, they can't catch a break. Kawhi's out. We know that Paul George has been out for this series. But the Suns, they're still playing their top guys a lot of minutes. KD is logging a lot of minutes. Devin Brooks, Devin, yeah, excuse me, they still have to play a lot of minutes for this team here. So what's going to go on with the Phoenix Suns where can they continue to play their basically their starters this much in the playoffs? I mean, they don't have any other options. Have you seen their bench? I mean, they barely have a team. Like, they barely have five guys that they could put out at the court at one point, you know, in, in terms of their starting lineup. Torrey Craig's been awesome, so they have their five. But after that, it gets really thin in that situation. I mean, it's, it's you know, when Bismack Biombo is your backup big, like, you're in 2023, you're kind of really scraping the bottom of the barrel. So those guys are going to just have to play heavy, heavy minutes. It's extremely important for the Suns to make sure they close this series out tonight. They, they don't want to have to play another game. Let, them, let those guys get an extra day or two of rest before having to go to Denver, who I assume is also going to close out their series tonight. Uh, it, it, it's really important. It's going to be fascinating to see if they can hold up. But I'll say this. If I'm going to ride with two guys playing 40-something minutes tonight, I'm pretty happy it's Devin <laughs> and Kevin Durant. Those guys are pretty good. So, you know, I think you're, you're, you're pretty good in that instance. And as we get going deeper in the playoffs, every team's going to shrink their rotation. So it may not be as as massive, but the fact they have to do it early in the playoffs is, is a little bit troubling. All right, so you mentioned the Denver Nuggets there. Are they the most slept-on one seed in playoff history? <laughs> because I don't think anyone's picking them to come out of the West. Yeah, I, it, it, they are to a degree. I think a lot of people, listen, they suffer from the you have to prove it in the, you have to prove it in the playoffs. We didn't believe in the Milwaukee Bucks till they won a championship. We didn't believe in the Golden State Warriors till they won a championship. You know, and it goes that way, and that's kind of how that process is going to work. We still don't believe in the Clippers because they're never getting to the championship. I think the the whole scenario of everything that you have is, you know, the the Denver Nuggets have had a lot of failures in the playoffs, not to their fault, a lot of injuries, really. Last time we saw them where they were fully healthy, they were in the conference finals, and then they added Aaron Gordon, and then they got injured left and right. So it will be interesting to see how they do in this one. So, yeah, nobody's going to believe them because nobody's going to trust their defense. I don't trust their defense yet. I will be fascinated to watch them take on Phoenix in the playoff series. All right, Mo kill. you broke down the NBA playoffs better than anyone that we could have asked for. For people that want to follow you some more or get some more of your work, where can they find you at? Just go follow me on Twitter, M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. From there, you'll find all the stuff I do with Bleach Report, podcast for The Athletic. I stream on Twitch. I do watch-alongs on play. I do a lot, guys. <laughs> yeah, you do it all. Thank you so much. I mean, the former video coordinator in you just hasn't left, has it? I mean, you're still breaking down everything. That's all I got. <laughs> Nobody else will hire me if I try to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. That's why I work in radio. If they fire me, it's cur- curtains are closing for my career. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. And that was Mo to Kill. Like you said, you can follow him at Mo to Kill underscore NBA, Bleacher Report, The Athletic. I mean, what isn't he doing? And when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. This has been a fun episode of Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. As it is closing time here on Unnecessary Roughness, if you want to be a part of the show as we close up shop, you can call us at 702-365-9200 or you can text us at 69187, the keyword R&R. We do have a text on the text line, Jerry. What do we got? We got two. We got two. Uh, All right. So first, Jim from Yonkers said, great job today. John McClain is awesome to listen to. Now get the rosary beads out for your Grizzlies. 
Thank you for a great show. That man just hit you. Like, he hit you. Like, that's unnecessary. I've been getting It's ta- unnecessary roughness, but he just he just kicked you, he kicked you while you were down. I've been taunted ever since the matchups have come out for the playoffs from the Laker fans that listen. You know, there's a high contingent of Laker fans a part a of Raider Nation. Fan. He's a Knicks fan. Yeah, yeah, I don't even, yeah, Jim and Yonkers. Why is Jim and Yonkers even taunting me? I don't know, man. Your team's down. It doesn't matter. Your team's down. People are going to poke. They're going to prod. Kick me while I'm down. But guess what? Big Memphis, Grind City, Grizzlies in seven. I said it. What's the next text we got? All right. We finally got an answer from Robin Oakland. You ready? Yeah. Hey, fellas. Soul Beat is many things to many people in Oakland <laughs> and the Bay. Mostly it's remembered as a public slash community access TV station that promoted local culture. I meant it in an enduring way. Thank you for holding it down today. Things are going to get really fun in the next couple of days. That's Rob in Oakland. There you go. That's so going to be. We, we, we got some community access vibes. We got soul is what we got. I'm taking that it's as a compliment. We're going to take a photo and tweet out soul beat. That's what we're oh, going to no, do. No, no, I got to. I You, you got to stand. You got to stand like slouched. And I got to be in front of you with my like crouched down with my arms out. We would go wacky like, you know, show photo. You know, because usually what? it's just back to back. You know, these two guys soul beat. Yeah, no, oh, okay, coming up yeah, on Radio no, Nation Radio. You're, you know, you're right. Uh, we should do, yeah. Just. We'll pitch the show to Q. Uh, Q, can we have a? Um, he'll since it's got some Bay vibes, since it's got some Oakland roots. Maybe he'll be like, oh yeah, I, I used to watch Soul Beat growing up all the time. You know, so Soul Beat with uh, Demon and Jared coming to you soon. Uh, thank you <laughs> how, for that. How, how mad is he? Gonna, would he be that like, hey, we got called Soul Beat, and he and he's just like, I never got called Soul Beat. I mean, it's one of the it's. I wonder how good of a show Soul Beat is. I'm go- I hope there's some old Soul Beat, or maybe it's a current program. I do not know. But I'll check it out oh, on YouTube and see what we can find about Soul Beat. Be, be, him going, it's remembered, makes me think that oh. he is no longer with us. Well, it's going to get greenlit, and we're bringing it back. Demond God and Jared Justice Soul Beat. So thank you for that, Robin Oakland. We- I mean, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say we, we we only have a couple minutes left, but I really want to talk about us us watching. Well, not us, me watching you watch the Grizzlies last night, and I I'm not trying to kick you like Jim and Yonkers. I'm not trying to kick you while you're down. It just genuinely was one of those. Oh, LeBron is angry. <laughs> Yeah, LeBron's angry, and I was also getting angry. My move is when I'm angry watching a sporting event, I'm always wearing a hat. You know, I'm not like you. I'm not getting a haircut every day, you know, every week. So, you know, sometimes it's a little nappy under the hat. But I am the move. Every time the Lakers scored in the fourth quarter, I take off the hat. I slam it against the table. Come on. And then I put my hat right back on. Like, I'm slamming the hat after every bucket that scored out of frustration. I noticed. I was there. It was it was a little bit frightening. Yeah, uh, I don't. I try not to be the come on, d- just force him left. I try not to be the <laughs> coach at the bar when I'm watching a sporting event. But sometimes force I just left. sometimes I just can't help it. And hey, that's our show today. I mean, I want to say thank you once again. A great lineup, nothing but illustrious guests here on Unnecessary Roughness. Mike Dorocco from ESPN as he helped us out with the Jaguars selecting Brian Branch, John McClain from Gallery Sports. The legend, John McClain, Adam Candy helping us out, selecting for the New York Giants. The G-Men taking Jalen Hyatt. Kyle Yeomans, reporter for the Dallas Cowboys, taking Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame, for the Cowboys. And Mo DeKeele, 
feeding us all the NBA insight we could have ever wanted as we closed out the show here. This has been a fun one. Don't you worry, Raider Nation. Tomorrow, Q Myers is going to be back as we are going to be talking the NFL draft all day, one day closer. Who are the Raiders picking at seven? Are they going to move up? It is intrigue galore as the draft gets closer. This has been Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.